The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Welcome, everyone, to Get Real Radio. I'm your host, James Robinson. And did you know that May is National High Blood Pressure Education Month? Well, neither did we, but we're always happy to help promote anything that will help people live healthier, happier lives and provide people with empowering information, especially when it includes life-saving tips. And we are so thrilled and honored to have today as our guest, America's wellness expert, Dr. James Laval. And he's a nationally recognized clinical pharmacist, author, educator, board-certified clinical nutritionist, naturopath doctor, and got just a resume that goes on and on and on and on. I think that it took me a half an hour to read it. It's 38 pages long, and so it's like, what can this guy not do? But today we are... We've got him on board because we want to talk about health, nutrition, and what's new in uh, medicine. So, Dr. Laval, thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, it's, it's great to be here. I can't fix your car. That's the one thing I'm weak at, just to let you know. <laughs> well, I guess uh, we all have to have something to look forward to. Uh, but one thing that I want everybody to know is that Dr. Laval is one of the nation's top influences on legitimizing integrative medicine and that's what we know as holistic medicine and he's been featured on so many television programs and radio shows he's earned way too many achievements and accolades to have a uh, you know a life but uh, he's a man that's dedicated and committing committed to helping other people be healthy and happy, and he trains thousands of physicians and other healthcare professionals every year on the application of natural therapies, and, and on and on and on and on. He was named one of the 50 most influential pharmacists by American Druggist Magazine and the 2011 Clinician of the Year by the Natural Products Association. He's an expert in natural therapeutics application, drug and nutrient depletion issues, and undercovering the underlying metabolic issues that affect health and vitality. And you know, and when you look at your resume, Dr. Law, I just don't know where to start. But could you, I guess the first question is, is how did you develop your particular field of expertise? Well, you know what? I, 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 
It's interesting, right? I, I was going through pharmacy school. I was interested in strength training and uh, athletics. I was a Division One scholarship athlete, got injured, couldn't, couldn't uh, do the sports, got into training, got into nutrition, but really I had a lot of complications. I went to somebody who was an integrative medicine doc, and they really helped my health out. But what really catalyzed it, i got to tell you, is I was working as a pharmacist behind the counter in a very tough neighborhood and a grocery chain and a lady with a Medicaid card came up, gave me her prescription for diabetes medication and blood pressure medication, went and did her shopping, came back, I looked in her cart and I looked at the meds I was giving her and I said, this is literally three months out of pharmacy school, I said, can I take you around the store and show you a couple things that might help you that just if you switch this for that? And, uh, and, and she loved it. And we were in a tough neighborhood, you know, kind of a low-income spot, and that person had an interest. And, and basically, to make a long story short, I went to the head of that chain, developed a national uh, diabetes training program where we found more diabetics than anyone in the country, and we developed a food labeling system, a food tagging system to inform people about foods that are high in sodium, foods that are diabetic-friendly. This is back in 1984, and I, I just the, the real genesis of that was it just goes to show you if you reach out and help one person, it can end up influencing millions, and that's what it did with that food tagging system, and that, you know, long story short, that's what got me passionate about what I do. It's 32 years later, and uh, I still love what I do every morning, and that is how many people can I reach to change their lives, help them be healthier, and feel more vitality. You know, that's one of uh, the greatest things that I believe in is is to, if you dedicate your life to service, if you dedicate your life to helping other people, then the universe just steps up and, and gives you so many returns and so much satisfaction and happiness for that. Um, let me, because, you know, I announced that it's the National High Blood Pressure Education Month, why do they say that? Uh, high blood pressures, the silent killer? Well, you know, really, it's because I've had this in practice all the time. I mean, I'm sitting in my, in my clinic right now. I mean, there are people that come in that have very high blood pressure, and they don't feel a thing. And when your blood pressure is at high, you're at risk for stroke. And so literally one in three people uh, in the United States, about almost 70 million people have high blood pressure. And there's about a 1,000 deaths every day that are results of untreated high blood pressure. And it's a problem. You may feel a headache when you have high blood pressure. That's a typical thing some people may feel. They say, hey, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of feeling a headache. You know, I, you know and, and that's the big one. But it's, it's silent because you don't know until you put the blood pressure cuff on it, you know, what your blood pressure is. And that's why we got to get out there and get people understanding you got to test for your blood pressure. Well, it's, I read this statistic that says that one in three adults have high blood pressure. So it's, it's kind of like if you're standing in line, you can look at the guy in front of you and look at the guy behind you, and one of you three's got high blood pressure. So it's, what is about, what is it about our lifestyle or our nation that causes such high blood pressure? Uh, you know what? It's a great question, and I think there are several things that lead to that. I mean, the obvious one is 
uh, we're under a lot of stress. So when you don't get enough sleep at night and we're, you know, in traffic and the work demands and we're, in, you know, broken families and or you're in the sandwich generation where you got a teenager at home and your parent at home living together with you, you know, there's a you know, modern life has got a little complicated and uh and a little stress filled and stress causes an increase in the release of adrenaline and you know everybody hears about adrenaline and what adrenaline does or epinephrine does is it causes your vessels to constrict so that your heart has to push harder to get blood through it and that's why the blood pressure goes up now in addition to stress and sleep concerns we don't eat right i mean the bottom line is we got a nation of overweight people and when you're overweight Typically, it's partly because of something called insulin resistance. I'm taking in too many carbs. I'm taking in too many sugars. I'm eating too many, you know, too many bad fats, and I'm not exercising. So when you add those pieces together, when you're insulin resistant, your body also makes more epinephrine, norepinephrine, or adrenaline, and your blood pressure once again goes up because your vessels are getting clamped down on. So it's the fact that we don't have enough trace minerals like magnesium in our diet, which, are, which has been associated with uh, elevated blood pressure when your magnesium in your diet is low. Uh, and then it's, it's stress, it's sleep, it's poor diet choices, not enough exercise. But, uh, and then we can think of things like environmental burden. So, for example, in the Veterans Normative Aging Study, they looked at lead, and they correlated the higher the lead levels that were stored in these vets, the more their risk for heart disease and the more their risk for vascular problems, which, of course, when your vessels are clogged or your vessels are tight, you're going to have to push harder with that heart, and that blood pressure is going to go up. So it's environment, it's the food we eat, the lifestyle habits we have, the stress we're under, all these things come together to create a very big problem. And by the way, the first sign of a heart attack 50% of the time is death. It's, so it's not like you get a get-out-of-jail-free card here. One out of two times, but if you're going to have a heart attack because you, you, know, you, haven't, you haven't had your blood pressure treated and you don't know, you know what to do or, or you don't feel like you're doing it or maybe the medications you're taking, you oh, I don't like the way I feel on them. Um, Whatever that reason is, one out of two times, first sign of a heart attack is death. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always heard that the number one cause of uh, death is not breathing. But the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of go hand in hand when you have a heart attack. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, you you talk about in your books and your you know, and I I, I want to say for a minute that uh, this guy, is, Dr. Laval, is a prolific author, and if you want to know more about this subject, you definitely need to go to his website and look at all of the books that he's written on health and disease and everything. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, the thing that I wanted to ask you about is your, you came up with an idea called the metabolic code, and so I wanted to ask you about what is the metabolic code? Well, I mean, I wrote a book called Cracking the Metabolic Code, and, and what the Metabolic Code is a system of evaluating uh, someone's chemistry and teaching people about their health so that it starts to become organized. Because what happens is, is people go, 
gee, I'm gaining weight. I wonder why that's happening. Gee, I'm craving potato chips, and I'm mowing through the whole bag and and licking the salt out of the inside of it when I'm done. You know, why is that happening? What I developed was a system for doctors and patients to be able to interface and go, here is how your metabolism is working. Here is where your metabolism is broken. When people hear the word metabolism, they think of, oh, am I burning fat or not? Right? And really what your metabolism is, is it's the sum total of all of the reactions, biochemical reactions going on in your body. Literally from the time you're in your mother's womb to today, that creates your metabolic output. How you feel today, do you have an illness, are you moving towards an illness, what's the, what's the soup taste like, right? What's the, what's the, what's the stock pot boiling? And that, that metabolism is guiding you towards future health or guiding you towards future disease. And so what we did was developed a system that assesses uh, how you feel, because you know what, how you feel is pretty important. You know, if you're tired and you can't sleep and you're grumpy and you're bloated and you're gassy and, and, you know, and, you're, and you're agitated easy and you're snapping at your loved ones, th- those, are, those feelings are important. So we take how you feel and then what lab values that you have, go to a doctor, get your blood test, along with things like blood pressure, and then it, it basically goes into a computer program and spits out where the problem is. And what's interesting is, is this computer algorithm actually is getting adopted at George Washington's medical school in their integrative medicine department for their doctors to use. So it, it's kind of rewarding. It's, it, it's fantastic that it's happening. Um, but it's, it really is a method to say, how far are you away from being well? And then what do you do about it? And that's the metabolic code understanding your chemistry and either the symphony that's going on or the disruption that's going on. And what you're going to look forward to is, do I feel good or do I not feel so good? Because I think all of us would rather feel good than not so good. And so that's what the metabolic code's about. Okay, well, um, uh, you know, that's so groundbreaking and uh, you know, anything I think that gets doctors away from this allopathic model, and for the people that don't know what allopathic is, is basically if you're sick, they prescribe a pill for it. But the thing I am very curious about is how do you get an allopathic doctor or a traditional doctor to start thinking in terms of holistic medicine and you know, groundbreaking things like the metabolic code and things like that? Uh, well, actually, it's through failure. <laughs> it's, I got to tell you, I've been teaching in medical schools and pharmacy schools for 20 years now. And when I started 20 years ago, I got to tell you, I was like the redheaded stepchild, right? Yeah. But over the last 20 years, what a lot of physicians are realizing is that Drug therapy, while it's very, look, where drug therapy works, if you're not going to do anything for your health, I don't want to eat right, I don't want to exercise, I don't want to sleep, I don't want to take care of my relationships, I'm going to live the way I want to live, and oh, I got this sickness, I need this med. That, 
that's where medicine's at its best. Or in a heroic situation where somebody's sick or they're in dire trouble or they have a significant disease and it helps to be managed. But what a lot of doctors are finding out is that lifestyle and even the use of dietary supplements can have a significant impact on the well-being of the person, meaning their quality of life is better. Because we all know, I mean, look, this is no surprise. I mean, I'm a clinical pharmacist. I mean, and I believe drug therapy uh, does save millions of lives each year, but it comes at a cost. The cost is there's side effects and adverse events. The less drugs you can be on, the better. But when you need a drug, you know, if your body's in good shape, it's going to be able to accept it and be able to utilize it better as long as you understand the side effect profile and risk so that you can provide countermeasures against that. You know, what can I do to help reduce my risk if I'm on this drug? So if I'm on a drug that depletes CoQ10, and when CoQ10 goes out of your body, your legs ache and they feel tired and you can't get up and down steps, take some CoQ10 when you're on that drug. And and uh, and so it's so the, you know it's it really is. I think it's just a matter of time. You know, I got to tell you, James. I mean, it, it's just it's it's information travels through healthcare over time. It's why I've been passionate about this thirty years. It's why I teach as a as a uh, faculty at George Washington. I'm an instructor for their integrative medicine department. Um, it, and it it's because. New, it's, it's the old story, right? We hear this all the time. New ideas don't get accepted. Old people die. <laughs> right? Uh, right, right. And, right. And it, 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 it's just understanding that these concepts take time to get established, developed, taught, and educated. Because the, you know, a lot of the docs that have been around there in my age group, you know, I'm 55, uh, they... Yeah, they pretty much were taught, you have this illness, you give this drug. You have this illness, you give this drug. The new doctors being trained are going, there's lifestyle issues, there's behavior issues, there's mind-body medicine, their nutrition does have a role. And so I think it's that new generation, actually, that's spawning a, a real growth. Uh, there's now an official kind of uh, integrative medicine board for four doctors, so I think it's a you know it's a moving target, uh, long time coming, right? A lot of us that have been yeah, advocates yeah. of this for a long time are going. When are we going to get to where this gets accepted? But we're still not without our struggles. It's still going to be. There's still some uphill battles that we got to climb yet. Well, let me ask you this, Doctor Laval. Where do you come down on supplementation? Well, I, I you know. I, I, I'm a big advocate for dietary supplements. I mean, you can tell by the books I've written. I mean, I think they're important. I think if you get a quality dietary supplement that has been studied and is given in the clinical doses that have been studied, that they can be of value to an individual. Uh, one of the weaknesses of the dietary supplement industry is that there's a wide range of what you can buy. Meaning you can buy something with a glittery label that looks like it's really good for you and have cheap ingredients in it. Or what will happen a lot of times, people read about a certain ingredient, and so instead of putting the full amount in a bottle, they put a little bit. So I think there are issues around still around efficacy and quality, but if you get a quality product, I think dietary supplements have value. I've seen it for 30 years in clinical practice and over 40,000 patients. 
that when we apply them, we get a change in, the, in either the disease state or in the quality of life of the individual managing their symptoms. And I think, you know, that uh, proof's in the pudding. I mean, I, I was a skeptic. I, I was taught in pharmacy school vitamins made expensive urine. That's what I was taught back in the you know late seventies, early eighties, you know, and uh, and and I had to come to believe in it because of working with people, reading the research, and and then implementing these programs in some of the biggest companies in 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 the country. Well, I see that you've uh, formulated more than two hundred nutritional products for over-the-counter and professional use, and you've also served as a consultant to some of the America's largest drug train chains <clears throat> like Rite Aid, CVS, uh, Long's Drugs, and Walmart. Um, how does somebody know that they're buying a quality product or not? Well, that, that part's the part that's a little hard. I mean, I could tell you one, and a great example of a quality product um, there's an aged garlic, we're talking about blood pressure uh, month, aged garlic extract. Uh, it's a product from Japan. It's made in the U.S. Uh, it's a Japanese pharmaceutical company that, that makes this product in the U.S. It's called Wakanag of America. Um, Kyolic. Kyolic aged garlic has over 700 publications. And the latest studies, Dr. Budoff at UCLA, interventional cardiologist, his fourth study showing that aged garlic extract regresses plaque, improves the endothelium or the vessel tension. And then Dr. Reed at the University of Adelaide in Australia did a hypertension study at blinded trial in humans, not rats, because I always tell people a lot of these products, the next time a rat comes to my office, man, have I got some stuff to treat them, right? It's, it's, it's the fact that kyolic is applied in human trials that are scientifically done, published in Tier 1 journals. And, and what Kyolic showed in the, in the Reed studies uh, at, the, at the University of Adelaide was that it would drop blood pressure between 5 and 10 points on people who were already on medication and their blood pressure was not managed. So there are great examples of a product, but, you know, it's like anything. The average consumer... They don't do a lot of reading. They just kind of get an ad and they look at it and go, oh, that's good. But, you know, I always tell people, a lot, you know, a lot of times people will spend more time figuring out, you know, what the next refrigerator they're going to buy is over how much time they spend on their health or on their right, diet. Right, right, yeah. And, and it has to be a transformation. Uh, companies like Wakanaga with products like Kyolic, I think, are outstanding examples of high science, high evidence, natural products, low risk that can help people maintain their, their, their wellness. I also use it in my people, like I, for example, I'll use it in people that have minor hypertension that, that you know, you know, the docs in our facility may not want to prescribe medication yet. So you want to try and use a natural product. So something like Kyolic with magnesium, all of a sudden it's helping them to regulate their blood pressure. They feel better. And, uh, but, of course, sometimes people need meds. Well, isn't it, a, you know, one thing that occurs to me is that, you know, basically people are lazy. You know, when they can just, when they can go and change their diet, they can get some exercise and resolve all these issues. They'd rather just sit there and take a pill. But, um, you know, that's, that's something that is more, is more psychological and, and educational than it is medical 
but how do we educate people to change the way they think about their behavior and change the way that they eat and that, you know, really foundational stuff? Well, you know what? I mean, I'm telling you, that's why I get on radio shows whenever I'm asked. Uh, I'm relentless about getting in every public forum I can to help people. Hopefully one person's listening that changes their life today um, and starts to look at their diet and maybe try to walk 30 minutes five times a week. You know, try to, you know a lot of times people hear, oh, get 10,000 steps a day, and that's hard. I mean, i got to tell you, sometimes people hear these big lofty goals, and they, they know they can't attain them, so they go, well, why should I even try? And I think it's important that wherever you're at, you know, hey, if you don't walk at all, start walking 10 minutes a day. If, you, know, you know, try to start to do something to get the mojo going or the habit going that's going to make you reach out and do that. And, you know, it's one of the reasons that teaching, you know, as much as I do, is we got, it's, going to, it's got to get distilled from the practitioner to the patient, and, the, and also the individual needs to be empowered, and they need to hear it in the public forum, which I think is starting to, it's starting to catch on, but, it, you know, in the end, I just got to tell you, there's still a lot of donut shops and cupcake houses opening up every day. Right? I mean, you thank, know, yeah, you know, thank God. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, look at the TV you know, shows. It's all, and nobody's, nobody's on TV teaching you how to cook broccoli better. It's how do you bake a cupcake, you know? And, and part of that's a byproduct of, you know, when we're under a lot of stress culturally, people eat comfort food. Comfort food is, you know, starchy, fat, sweet salty food. So, you know, now we have chocolate-covered potato chips, chocolate-covered pretzels, chocolate-covered bacon, fat, sweet, salty, all at once. Prime comfort food, which to me, I think that's one of the underlying things we're not recognizing on hypertension. Um, And that's why I think it's so important that people look at dietary supplements as something that can help them um, as they're, you know, they're trying to transition their health. So agents like kaolic, like magnesium, um, changing their diet are so invaluable. Uh, and people can go look; they, they've got great resources. People listening today, go to my, you know, go to my website. They, they they got all kinds of free stuff. They can get a how to count your carbs, uh, you know, handout for free. There's no no strings attached uh, that they could get, and it could, it could get them on the road to starting to lose weight, exercise a little bit, and uh, start to manage that high blood pressure. Sounds fantastic. I just have to ask, when you're stressed, do you eat broccoli? <laughs> Chocolate-covered broccoli with salt. Okay, that's even better. <laughs> now, you know, it's hard, right? When, when, yeah. when I, I, it's like I said, people take that food. It's almost, it's not like you're eating a cookie just to enjoy the cookie. It's like somebody, they feel like they're rubbing that cookie on their head to make the stress feel better after about the fifth cookie because they're not hungry anymore. But it's literally a trigger of reward because my brain can't handle the stress. I think it's so important for people to understand that, especially as it relates to managing blood pressure. Got to get that stress under control. Great. Well, we'll have to take a break, and people can run to the refrigerator and decide whether to have a cookie or some broccoli. But this is Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson, and we're talking to Dr. James Laval on, on natural medicine, and we'll be right back. Thank you for listening.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Get ready for some lively discussion on Barely Controlled Radio with Jeff Reed. From sports to relationships to current events and more, pretty much anything is on the table. Besides being a place kicker for the Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers, Jeff Reed is also a journalist, blogger, and opinionist. And he's ready to talk to you and tackle the issues that you've been wanting to talk about. Tune in to Barely Controlled Radio every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson. And today we're talking to uh, Dr. James Laval, who is, is like a encyclopedia of information about nutrition and and uh, wellness and we were talking before the break about a lot of things but now I'd like to move on to something that is uh, really probably one of the biggest problems other than high blood pressure and that is diabetes and doctor do you see that uh, diabetes is becoming a bigger and bigger problem in, in for our health industry Oh, I mean, diabetes in my, I mean, my grandmother was a fingerless, toeless, blind diabetic. My father was diabetic. All my father's brothers were Italian. You know, they're, they're, we have diabetes. It's rampant in our family, and I've, I've been around it uh, for a long time. And uh, it is becoming epidemic. Ten percent of the population is currently uh, persons with diabetes, 
and the Center for Disease Control estimates that 40% of the population is going to become diabetic with 50% of our minority populations in the Hispanic and the, uh, the Afro-American populations being people with diabetes. This will break our healthcare dollars. Um, people with diabetes all have heart disease. When you're diabetic, you damage your blood vessels. When you're diabetic, your vessels get smaller. So you pump your blood, your blood pressure goes up, you plaque your vessels. You, you, you get number one cause of uh, non-traumatic blindness, number one cause of non-traumatic amputation, uh, a huge cause of chronic kidney disease. You see all these dialysis centers. If you drive around whatever city you're in, you see dialysis centers everywhere, cleaning out people's kidneys. Diabetes. That's what's causing that. Non-alcoholic fatty liver. Big cause is diabetes. Non-alcoholic fatty liver will exceed hepatitis for the cause of, the, of a liver transplant in an individual in the next decade. Uh, that's, I mean, we don't have wow. our livers. I mean, these are big things. And so with diabetes, it is a huge epidemic, and you have to control. So People with diabetes have really strong inflammatory signaling going on in their body. They're lighting little forest fires everywhere, damaging tissue everywhere. I know in the last segment I, I talked about um, kyolic. Uh, one of the reasons I like that is, and I, I give it to a lot of people, is because it does so many good things for people, like dampen that inflammatory response that occurs in people. But with the person with diabetes, it's so important that they learn um, and get blood tests, just like going and getting your, your blood pressure taken. Go into a pharmacy, stick your, finger, your, your arm in that blood pressure cuff that's sitting there. Um, you know, get a blood cuff at home. Same thing with diabetes. Don't wait around with your head in the sand thinking that you're fine, but you're noticing, hey, I'm, losing, I'm gaining weight, I'm gaining some belly fat, uh, gee, I'm tired in between meals, I'm getting anxious and nervous if I go too long without eating, I've got excessive thirst. You know, these are signs that your blood sugar is not regulating well. And the most alarming thing, James, honestly, was a Kaiser Permanente study that published in 2008. And what they did was they studied a population of 47,000 people, just shy of that. I think it was 46,732 people. But that, so what they showed was that the higher your blood sugar is within the normal range, so if your normal range is 65 to 99, once you get over 84, you have a 6% risk of becoming a person with diabetes for every point that goes over 84. And the big problem with that is if you go into your doctor and you get your blood sugar done, what happens is you say you have a 94. Well, 94 is you're still in normal. So the doctor goes, hey, you don't have diabetes yet. But what they don't tell you is, if you have a 94, that you have a 54% risk of becoming a person with diabetes in the next decade. That's a coin flip. Once again, and remember, once you become a diabetic, kidney disease, blindness, amputation, heart disease, more actually a higher risk of cancers, a fourfold higher risk of colon cancer if you're a person with diabetes versus not. So 
it's so important for people to understand why we need to get our blood sugar checked, why we need to get our blood pressure checked, so we take action and become empowered. Well, what does becoming empowered look like? Is there any way that we can prevent diabetes? Oh, with, well, here, I would say there are a lot of ways to prevent diabetes. We used to think that diabetes was strictly you ate too much and you didn't exercise enough. And for the most part, that plays a big role. And remember, you, get, you asked me about what the metabolic code was about. And what I try to teach both healthcare professionals and consumers is here's the things that affect you. First of all, it's what the genes your mother gave you. So what happened in your mother's womb, I hate to tell you, it does have an effect. So if a mother ate too much or didn't eat enough, it puts you more at risk of being diabetic. The other thing is, what kind of diet did you grow up on? What type of exercise have you lived with and what have you done over your lifetime? What are the environmental pollutants that you get exposed to? What medications have you been on? What kind of stress have you been under? All those things play into whether or not your blood sugar is going to be a problem. For example... Uh, pesticides, for example, are correlated, or environmental pollutants are correlated to increased risk of diabetes. And that's published in the journals of environmental health. So environmental you know, pollutants do have an impact on our health. So, but what are the big things we can do? Well, I'm telling you right now that there's two big things you could do to reduce your risk. One, well, three. One is sleep more. Get seven hours of sleep a night. Target getting seven hours. They, the studies show when you get less than seven hours sleep, your blood sugar goes up. It leads you to obesity. That's number one. Okay. Number two. Didn't know that. Yeah, right? Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second thing is learn how to count your carbohydrates. Uh, so many people don't realize when you get that vat of rice when you order Chinese, that's about five servings. You're supposed to eat one serving of rice with your Chinese food. Most people eat the whole vat of rice, a bucket of rice that they give that yeah. goes with that meal. And, and, and so learning to count your carbohydrates is a big, big thing because most people, quite frankly, overeat. They just eat more food, especially when it comes to carbs. It's easy to say don't drink a big gulp, don't eat cookies, don't eat candy bars, right? That's the easy one. But when people start eating oatmeal and they're eating crackers and they're eating, they say they're making healthy choices, whole grain crackers. I'm eating oatmeal. It's the serving size that matters. And most of the time, people eat two or three servings. And instead of looking at, and a serving is 15 grams of carbohydrates. And so they'll get 50 or 60 or 90 grams of carbs in a meal when they should be getting 15 from their starch. And, they, and you're going to put on weight. Because what happens is, is that starch crosses your intestine gets into your bloodstream, causes your glycemic index to go up. The number one thing that plaques your arteries is post, and you can look this up, it's postprandial, post-meal, hyperglycemia, meaning if I'm eating a bunch of refined sugars and carbs and I'm sucking down big gulps and, and I'm you know, eating too many, you know, too many pieces of pizza, those starches are going to, Increase my blood sugar, and that triggers arteries to plaque. And people don't realize that. They go, oh, gee, I wonder why my arteries are plaquing. 
Well, one of the big, the biggest reason is post meal high blood sugar. Okay, well, is that uh, mean desserts are off the menu? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing. I think you could get healthy desserts. A lot of them are being made now. A lot of them are being sweetened with lower sugar density. Um, and the other thing is just realize that, you know what? It, you know, desserts weren't meant to be a daily event twice a day. Desserts were special occasions. So, you know, maybe once or twice a week you get yourself a dessert instead of thinking you deserve one every day. It's not a part of your basic meal plan, dessert. <laughs> you know, you see protein, vegetables, fruit, salad. You don't see it in, on the food pyramid, even the Harvard food pyramid, which I think has still got too many grains in it. But there's no thing where it says dessert is one of the four food groups. But but at the same time, if I if I I got a 15 year old boy, he's going to have a birthday here June 5th. I'm going to have a piece of birthday cake with him, and I'm going to love it. Sure. And, and and I think and at Christmas and at Thanksgiving when I take my wife out to dinner, um, I'm going to think about maybe splitting the dessert with her. Or I'm uh, so it's being responsible about your sugar intake and not just you know being the best customer at the local bakery. Right. Well, that's a huge topic is responsibility and accountability especially for your managing your own health but one thing i wanted to ask you is is there a, a food or a product that people that that's really toxic and really bad for you that people think is healthy well i i mean personally i think all the juicing that's going on people are drinking fruit juices like crazy they're buying all these juices in stores and they're not looking at how many carbohydrates are in them so they think you know, oh, I'm drinking juices. Well, yeah, but you, when would you go and, you know, eat 12 oranges? Uh-huh. Right? You get the juice from yeah. 12 oranges, so you get the sugar from 12 oranges, or an orange, an apple, a pear, you know. I'm, oh, I got all these juices from these fruits. Well, guess what? That's just acting like drinking. You may as well drink a pop because you're getting the same kind of reaction in your bloodstream as if you were drinking a pop. Now, if you drink juices that have the fiber in them still, so sometimes people are juicing juices and it keeps all the fiber in them. It doesn't extract the juice. It keeps all the fiber. That's going to be a, a little better for you as long as you're eating it organically because, once again, if they, you get a lot of pesticides and you're juicing a bunch of stuff and it hasn't been washed, I think that's one of the, the hidden foods that are a big problem that are so popularized right now, right? Don't you go into every store and there's, you know, you know, 18 different kinds of juice now in the little refrigerated section with the drinks. Yeah. Well, what about vegetable juicing? Is that okay? Well, vegetable juices, that's different. I like vegetable juices because they're not high in sugars, and they're typically pretty low in starch. And so if you're just drinking vegetable juice, it's good. But once again, uh, you know, I look at macronutrient you know, content and micronutrient content, you get a lot of oxalates when you do that. So you just want to balance. If I want to drink a vegetable juice because I like the taste of it, great. But you know what? If you eat vegetables, you get the fiber in them. 
So you get all the benefit of the food. So what we try to do, and I've tried to do the last 30 years in you know, clinical practice, is teach people how to eat. You know, you know, what, you know eat, sure. I always tell them, look, it's hard to get the 12 servings of vegetables and fruit a day. You know, that's 12 cups raw, 6 cups cooked. And you think about eating 3 vegetables for every, every uh, fruit just because you get more nutrient density out of the vegetables and you don't get the calories. But the reality is, is that, you know, people, I, I get people come in and say, well, I don't eat vegetables. Well, yeah, that's why you're 80 pounds overweight and your joints ache and, and, you, and you're pushing a thought through jello when you're trying to think of something. I can't, <laughs> I, I, I can't hide accountability from you. It's, this is what, it, it's about choices. What I try to do is help people. I don't like to guilt people. I don't like to scare people. It's like, look, here's your choices. You can keep living the way you are and feeling the way you do, or you can try something different that might change your life. And, I'm, and, and our staff and what I try to do is help give people the tools and the help they need so that they're able to succeed in their goal. Because that, that's the one thing where we fall down, right? I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. What happens a lot of time in healthcare is you give people a list and say, here, I want you to exercise and eat better. And here's, here's a sheet of paper. And you send them out the door. And in the case of diabetes, diabetes person, even if you talk to them 20 minutes, first of all, they forget 80% of what you tell them. I mean, the average patient forgets 80% of what the healthcare provider tells them within 48 hours. So we need wow. better adherence, better remembering, better use of apps. You know, let's use the mobile phones to remind us of when we need to eat and what we need to do and why we need to test our blood sugar. Let's utilize technology to help us, right? Um, but, but the reality is, you know, we, we kind of send people on their way and expect that they're just going to be able to remember it all and follow through. And there, there has to be, um, as a part of the process, because we got away so much. I mean, shoot, I mean, phys ed isn't even a, a mandatory class anymore in a lot of schools, right? So we've oh gotten gosh. away from the concepts of building good preventative health. And what we went to in the 60s and 70s is, hey, live how you want, and once you get sick, we got some great medication that's going to help manage it. And it's kind of, we've got to get away from that. We still need good medications that help people when they get in trouble, but we've got to try to keep people healthier longer if we're going to really sustain our health care dollars and our spend in this country. I mean, that's just simple, right? I mean, that's not rocket science. I know it's more complex than that, but that's boiling it down. Sure. What's, uh, if you had to recommend one of your books for people who are just, you know, maybe they just turned it, tuned in and they're, they've never really thought about their nutrition or, or what, uh, the, you know, their risk for diabetes or high blood pressure. What, what books would you recommend that they read? Well, the two books, there's two books. One book I just released is called Your Blood Never Lies. And what it is is how to read a blood test because people and, and but it just doesn't you know have you say oh this is the blood test it it goes through and explains what happens if it's trending high trending low what's it mean what can you do about it what are the drugs that the yeah, that keeps going bad what drugs are you going to be put on and what's those side effects what are the natural products that have evidence that can be beneficial and then what lifestyle tips you can do so people should recommend they should get their blood test from their doctor and look at their blood test and see if they're one of those people that have a 50, 54% risk of being a diabetic. Um, the other book, which is a big read, I'm telling you, this is the one that helps people go to sleep at night, so you read it bedtime reading, um, Cracking the Metabolic Code. 
It's got a questionnaire in it. It explains all the big things that influence what dictates your health. Um, it, it's really, you know, had a good long life. It's going to get updated in the next year, but quite frankly, everything that's in it is still relevant today. So people are still, you know, praising the book. And I think both of those books will really help people um, to really get on it, that, that path towards health. And, uh, you know, so that, you know, those are the two I'd suggest. Okay. Well, definitely we'll go out and, and uh, look at that. One thing that I, you know, I kind of monitor or read a lot of nutritional articles uh, because I'm fascinated by all of it. And there's new buzzwords coming out called superfoods. And is there such a thing as a superfood? Well, I think it's a buzzword, right? I mean, it's, I think there are foods that are um, nutrient-dense, meaning they've got a lot of value for the food that they are, right? So if you look at certain berries, like blueberries are known as brain berries, right? That's the nickname for them because they have a lot of chemical compounds that improve circulation of the brain and protect the neurons in the brain. And, And so... It's superfoods are simply foods that have been identified that have higher contents of nutrients or naturally occurring chemical compounds that can benefit your health. So, yeah, I think they're super, but I actually think a lot of them should be a part of our diet anyway, and we just haven't learned. I mean, I can guarantee you French fries are not a superfood. What? (laughs) They taste good. I like them. They taste good, but they're not a superfood. So, so it's that kind of understanding that we can't fill our diet with comfort food that simply tastes good all the time. We've got to look to these more nutrient-dense foods and be inclusive of those in our diet. And, uh, but, you know, yeah, they're super because they've got more nutrients in them than maybe other selections that people make. Yeah, I think I think common sense has a lot to do with it too. Um, <laughs> I think it always does, right? <laughs> okay. Well, now that I've got an expert on the line, I have to ask you a question, and I know that this is a very, very hot political potato right now. But I wanted to ask you, where do you come down on this whole debate about vaccinations and you know flu shots and all that sort of thing? Should we be doing that to our children? Well, I'll give you, I'll I'll give you two, a bifurcated answer, right? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be split tongued on this. Uh, I happen to think that we vaccinate too much. I think that we vaccinate too early, and I think that children are so sick coming out of the womb and in their early stages of development because of poor diet and the mother's nutritional health, that the vaccines even have a more dramatic and negative impact um, on immunity. Uh, And so there's no doubt that things like tetanus affects the microbiome of the child and can influence your immune system over the coming years. Um, But, you know, vaccines also saved a lot of lives. I mean, they did. They did eradicate some disease. I think it's, once again, it's where's the common sense? We're we're not going to be able to vaccinate ourselves into the point where nothing ever goes wrong. 
because vaccinated people still end up with those conditions. And I, and I also get crazy because I also think that if you don't want to be vaccinated, you should have the right to not be vaccinated. Or if you're a parent and your belief is that your child should not be vaccinated, I don't think that your child should have to be vaccinated. I mean, it, you know, it's like, how is the child that's not vaccinated putting other children at risk if the other children are vaccinated? I don't right. get it. it well, right. if the vaccine's so safe and, it, and, it's, and it's working to, for that child's safety, the unvaccinated child's the one at risk. The vaccinated sure. child's not at risk if the vaccines are actually working. And the problem with the flu shot, and just go to the Center for Disease Control's website and you can read on it because I've actually talked about flu you know, on, in national forums. The flu shot isn't that effective. They even tell you that it's relatively ineffective, but you should, should you should still do it. Well, wait a second. I'm taking my car in for a repair. This isn't going to fix your car, but I still want you to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. I'm sorry. I mean, if if they told me the flu shot was effective. Even if it was political and a conspiracy and it was big pharma manipulating data, it'd be fine, right? Because we just believe that of what we're told. But the fact is our government's telling us that the flu shots are not effective. So I'm sorry. That, that's where it's, it's not – for me, I can't you know, uh, put a bucket of all those vaccines in one, one bucket. Just, oh, it's all bad. Don't do it. Right. But I think that we have personal freedom, personal rights. Uh, I'm going to be honest. My, my son has not received a vaccine. So you, my personal stance, and, and he's a 15-year-old that's, you know, six foot, 197-pound strapping healthy kid who fights off bugs really well. So thus far, we've been able to avoid that. New legislation in California may mean my son has to get vaccinated, and I would follow the letter of the law and take protective measures like vitamin A, using things like uh, Modicare, which is an immune modulator, uh, to preload that child so that I can reduce that adverse risk and so that's kind of where I'm at on it okay well we're running out of time but I wanted to ask you about one of the books you've written um, and it's called Relora the natural way to losing stress-related fat and wrinkles what is Relora and how is it natural well uh, Relora is a magnolia and philodendron extract uh, it's you know uh, been studied and it and it's been studied to reduce cortisol, and uh, much like not to the extent like like I said, I remember I, when I mentioned aged garlic extract, great safe you know product with lots of scientific backing behind it. Relora has got some nice data. Uh, it's got some health claims that the FDA has allowed, which is excellent, um, and it it reduces the signaling of stress so that you feel more calm. And uh, when you feel more calm and you're less stressed, your cortisol doesn't go up, you don't store fat as easy, uh, and you actually don't trigger that desire for that chocolate-covered pretzel or that chocolate-covered potato chip. Okay, so it's a uh, more of a mood and uh, regulator. Well, it's yeah, I mean, you can think of it this way: if you're anxious, if you're nervous. Or if you notice you're, you're stress-craving food, that's a great product for that. Okay. Well, I wanted to give everybody your website address, and it's, um, it's, it's jimlaval.com. 
And I highly recommend that people go and take a look at this because, you know, it's page after page after page of just amazing information, very helpful information. And uh, it's spelled J-I-M-L-A-V-A-L-L-E.com. And so for people who don't understand my southern accent, uh, you know, do the best you can. But you know, one thing I, I want to say to Dr. Laval is that, you know, you are amazing. You're super informed. You're very gracious. And we'd love to have you come back. So I want to get a commitment from you right now so we can make sure we can line you up for the future. Hey, I am in. I will be glad to. This has been a fantastic interview, and I just want to have a final plug. Remember, go get your blood pressure checked, and if you've got borderline problems with your blood pressure, think about that Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract and taking magnesium. That could be the first step using natural therapies to help you to maintain that blood pressure, but just don't stick your head in the sand. Excellent advice. And we love sharing empowering tools to help people have healthier and happier lives. Thank you very much, Dr. Laval, and thank you, everybody, for listening to this great show. And this is Get Real Radio. I'm your host, James Robinson. We've been talking to Dr. James Laval, and we'll be back next week. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self.